Okay, this is Outside Centres with the slickest intro music you'll ever hear. And we're talking to Robbie Owens, the guy behind Squidge Rugby, who makes the slickest rugby videos you'll ever see. But unfortunately, it's downhill from there. Uh, turns out Robbie can produce incredible videos, but we're having incredible difficulty getting him to use a phone. Uh, so we want to talk to him about the Welsh, how the Welsh sides are doing. We're going to talk to him about a number of things. But to start with, we just want to talk to him about how the Welsh sides are doing. It sounds pretty easy. But anyway, we're going to prattle on here uh, about other teams in the league, probably Irish teams, until we get this connection up with Robbie. So if you want to skip us, uh, if you want to skip us, if I was a betting man, I'd say we make contact with Robbie around the 15-minute mark. So if you want to skip us, skip to about 15 minutes, I'd say. John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This, for the Scarlet's fans, is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Tudor side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good is that for you? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment are players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zevo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jeez, I thought I was in dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal, phenomenal. So Dan, I suppose we need to start by looking at uh, the season so far, after two weeks, uh, where are we at? No big surprises really, are there? No, I mean, most most of the results so far have been home team winning, and the usual heavyweights overpowering any team, that's the only upsets that we've really seen, in a sense. I mean, uh, we had, kind of have had a good start. Very good start. Um, they're very unfortunate with the first game of the season, I mean, to take the team that won the league part of it last season to w- within one point at home and to have had a potential of winning the game I think they've, uh, they've definitely stood themselves I in was, good stead I was, I was looking at uh, last year as well and uh, they had a game at home against Glasgow uh, as the opening game I think it was and they lost uh, 18-12 so mm. I suppose and then kind of the wheels came off their season a bit last year as well yeah, I mean, I think there's clashes with uh, personnel there. I mean, I know Keane wasn't exactly loved there. Uh, I think Andy Friend has definitely made a good imp- impact there uh, since joining. I mean, even you you just have to look at the faith that uh, Friend has already uh, shown within the players, within the organisation. Yeah, I, yeah, I've had this conversation with people uh, a couple of times, I'm sure with you a couple of times, about Connacht, though. Um, when you look at them winning the championship a couple of years back, uh, the only team that you look at now, the only difference between that team and the team you look at now is, uh, well, Henshaw's gone. Uh, obviously, Muldoon's gone, but, I mean, he, was, he wasn't he was gone last year. Yeah. Uh, and then, obviously, Lamb is gone. Yeah. So, the team that's there, the kind of team that's there is really not very different from the team that destroyed Leinster in that final a couple of years ago. And you also have more experienced players now. The fact that Bundyaki now has international experience. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You, you'd yeah. expect uh, a bit and more. And to... Marmion as well. Yeah. Um, but O'Halloran's uh, fresh off these, the success of his uh, TV ads with the <laughs> yeah, yeah, with his yeah, peers yeah. like <laughs> and Connor Murray, three lines and a comic man. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's it's interesting though, and it's it's interesting to see how the players are taking it because I, I mean the fa- extra faith now that uh, Andy Friend has brought in, having Paul Boyle, for instance, uh, he 
I think he won Man of the Match at the weekend. Only 21 years old. He had a couple of minutes last year when uh, Keane brought him off the bench uh, in one of the Interpros, I think. It, you can tell there wasn't that so much... Is this a guy from Count's own academy system? No, it's Leinster's academy well, so this is yet again. Uh, <laughs> well, showing up. Of, well, I mean, they'll take the wins, won't they? Yeah. I mean, if you, how many uh, Leinster men were uh, part of that team that won the championship? I mean, exactly, uh, exactly. including, uh, sadly, it's turned out Henshaw. But, yeah. but you also had John Cooney. Yeah, well, yeah, there, no, sorry. And the then, as well. uh, I mean, that's a great success story if you're looking around the league. And AJ McGinty as well, of course. I don't know if he was ex-Leinster, but certainly he's from Black Rock. Uh, yeah. So yeah, oh, that D4 yeah. were well represented yeah. in that comic. <laughs> win. But uh, we're perhaps <laughs> we're getting a bit too Leinster centric there. Uh, the other uh, the other teams, the other teams. Well, you had Cardiff, or oh, they're not having a good start. Cardiff uh, were yeah. So the one of the few teams that have taken a hit early on. I mean that first Leinster game, they were unlucky. Uh, I mean Leinster really scraped the bottom of the barrel to pull that one out. It was very much a B team from Leinster. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. I think that was the interesting thing. You're seeing some of the teams that would have had a lot of internationals slowly ramp up the amount of time that the internationals have gotten. Obviously, you can see with Enster, Johnny Sexton still hasn't played yet. I mean, we're hoping that we're going to see him against Dragons, but you can imagine how much time he's actually going to play there. You're seeing Joey Carberry um, slowly being reintroduced, well, being not reintroduced, introduced to Munster, um, being taken off the bench and having uh, JJ Hanrahan there kind of stay the ship first off to have the relationship there with the other players. Um, then I suppose if you look at Scotland you have uh, slowly but surely they're introducing them back again but you had Stuart Hogg playing the first game mm. so, so it depends it depends on As there's always a slow start like that yeah. yeah I mean you just have to look at the, the individual countries how strenuous were their summer tours I mean uh, Scotland were playing against uh, the USA yeah they're playing against the USA so I mean you wouldn't have had a particularly strenuous summer tour I mean, if you have any American listeners, I, mean, I feel that's fine. I think they'd appreciate that. Um, but no, Scotland definitely didn't have a strenuous tour, so that's why you're seeing some of those internationals come back sooner. I think Hugh Jones hasn't played a game yet, or maybe he's just played one. Right. Um, but then I think some of the players that you're starting to see break out already, with uh, Blair Kinghorn especially, he's uh, he's stating his claim back again. He was one of the better players in the season last year, so he's really stepping it up again. Uh, this guy, this is the guy who scored that try, uh, that well worked try against Ireland in the Aviva during the Six Nations. Yes, that was I think yeah. his first start for Scotland. It wasn't too strenuous a tour for those guys, so I feel Blair Kinghorn is definitely may be able to come back in all guns blazing and uh, really stake a claim to um, how he was playing at the end of last season. I think what struck me uh, just in preparation for this podcast, this was like a lot of fans. I would have expected. Uh, when I looked at the table, maybe not after. Who looks at the table after the first round? Benetton are leading in conference. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely, Benetton won their first two games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think when you look at that uh, table now, after two weeks, you think, oh wow, um, my team is still in with the other teams. So yep. if you're a Scarlets fan, you are in with Leinster, like you were last year. And it seems like not much consideration has been given to the idea that that system will never change. And sorry, Glasgow, as we were talking about there, is always going to now be in with Munster. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I think that was a surprise people. There's not much talking about it. Obviously, there are these restrictions that, um, I don't know if the Pro 14 will admit it, but they have to keep um, Munster and Leinster separate for financial reasons, if nothing else. Um, and as there's also the pressures of keeping different nationalities separate. But there should technically be no problem with moving Leinster and Munster, swapping them. So then... Uh, Munster is suddenly playing uh, Scarlets 
and what have you, uh, and Bennett and what have you. I do think the way that it was done is definitely a bit arbitrary in the sense that if you look at other types of conferences uh, used in other rugby competitions around the world, it's, be- it's a lot more geographically based. Mm. So I, I think if you look at um, the way it was drawn up and split up last season, it was definitely more a sense of, okay, what are the current standings? How are the teams currently situated? Over time, okay, Leinster, let's hope, is the exception, but over time that generally fluctuates. So Edinburgh used to be the better power in Scotland, yes, so yeah. now it's Glasgow it's not, at the of moment. Course it's not so, in stone. Yeah. yeah, but it, it does fluctuate. So the fact that the conferences are stuck and that seems to be not something that's going to change, that does kind of. Well, I mean, some I, alarm bells. Yeah, well, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think necessarily alarm necessarily say alarm bells. We just had the Glasgow Munster game there, and if yeah. you're a Glasgow fan, that's a very important game, and always will be. And I think that's kind of the surprising part of it that your main rivals, as stands, I mean, obviously yeah. there's going to be fluctuations, but chances are your main rivals to top that group, uh, if you're a Glasgow fan, are going to be Munster every year. The way this is structured, so that fixture in Thelman Park becomes a huge fixture. Then you're always going to be fighting Massive. with Massive. Munster for the top of the table, and the top of the table is incredibly important because then. Uh, well, in the new system, you don't have you have to play one less game, and then you yeah. have your home semi final, and we all know the, the power of that. So. The one the one round by as well is going to be massive when it comes to teams that are actually going to going to be competing in Europe, mm. because you saw that last year with Leinster, that meant they had an extra week off, had them better stead going forward for the um, for the Champions Cup final, so it was huge. Oh yeah, for the plan, I suppose beyond the Pro 14. Beyond the Pro 14, it's yeah. big, it's yeah. big. Um, oh actually, it's just one team less, that's one team when, oh, sorry, one game less, there's one game when I suppose some great players are not going to get injured. I mean, exactly, exactly. You don't want really to be risking, even like, you don't want really to be risking uh, Ross Byrne in that sort of situation a week before a final. Because then what happens if he goes down and then Johnny and of course, has there's potential no, there's to go no down. Carberry there's no Joey Carberry. There's no Joey To the Munster Glasgow kind of fixture which... Yeah. Uh, Victor, which is now going to be set in stone forever. Yeah. Um. But Carberry did play. He uh, did play. Well, he's yeah. So he's played in both games so far. Yes. But he's played sixty-two minutes in total and has a grand total of two points. So he only got a conversion. He's only gotten a conversion. Okay. And that was he's worn the twenty-two he, jersey. What What has he day. missed? Um. We know. I don't know. I think he no. He converted the try. Uh, in the Glasgow game. He didn't score anything in, uh, in the route of the Cheetahs. Didn't score so, anything. It was no. like 38-0 or something. Yeah. yeah, didn't score anything. And he was on for... Well, what, okay. He was on for most of the second half in the Glasgow but game. I'm sure, so he, I'm sure he was magically creating chances for everybody else. Oh, that's... Uh, <laughs> I, would have I wonder, I wonder if Munster fans that. are saying that about him now. Or yeah. uh, have they taken completely to their hearts, do you think, at this point? Well, he's quite. He's quite Leinster. He'll need. Uh, he'll need an Andrew Conway moment to fully convert them. He'll yes. need an Andrew and, Conway and moment. To be fair, no better man. He might actually produce one. Yeah, true. Yeah. I mean, just look a couple of seasons ago when he played against Wasps for Leinster. Mm. The miracle runs that he had were fantastic. So, uh, the, so I suppose the idea of moving him to number ten, um, as we were discussing before, the idea of moving him to number ten in yeah. Munster was to move him out of being number 15 for Leinster so he could be the second <clears throat> choice, yeah. number yeah. 10, for Ireland. But so what's happened not being played, there? I mean, too much to extract from two games. True, true. But, I mean, if you look at... If you're um, Johan Bangran, mm. if you're looking at your squad right now, you've had Simon Zebo leave last year. Yeah. And you have... Okay, you have a couple of wingers. Fine. But you've no one that can really stake a claim to number 15. 
right? Yeah. Apart from someone who's come into the team who's played at an incredibly high level in high cl- caliber yeah, games. It's very tempting. Very, very tempting. <laughs> yeah. And if you look at, okay, fine, they may not have a world class 10, but they have multiple options at 10. They don't have many options at 15. So, yeah. I feel Johan Van Graan yeah. may not have gotten the memo from Joe Schmidt yeah. that there's a particular reason you're getting an all-star. Yeah. So, I think it's going to be interesting and to see how that goes. Somebody with JJ Hanron isn't... Uh, uh, is, isn't talentless at all. I mean, he's no. no uh, so he's going to fight for his place in the squad. I yeah, mean, that's... I mean, you don't get brought over to England. They played with Northampton. I mean, you mm. don't get to go there for no particular reason. Northampton is a particularly good team. Yeah, and perhaps that wasn't necessarily factored in as well. I mean, they have yeah. to give JJ uh, Hanron a chance to prove himself too. Exactly. I and mean, it's the Ulster situation. There. They were screaming out for number ten in Ulster. They um, they'd lost one, whereas the Munster situation is quite different. Yeah, I feel yeah the, the whole idea that Joey Carby had to move away from Leinster all got brought up because of the Ulster situation then as soon as that like Munster weren't crying out for a 10 they were just waiting for one to develop from what they had there well they had the South African guy Tyler Blindell yeah. yeah I mean if you're him now if you're Tyler Blindell you mustn't feel great you, you had what one two seasons and you're now basically just told okay sit on the bench uh, if this guy gets a, mm. a niggle in his knee you're going to be on I suppose, though, uh, if you are a Munster fan and the Munster management's main concern actually has nothing to do with the ten position at all right now. It's yeah. to do with the fact that Conor Murray is injured yeah. and God knows for how long. Yeah, but for I mean, a day to day. Yeah, well, what was interesting about that uh, we were discussing previously is that um, when you look at the Ireland setup, uh, this is a very Ireland-centric point, but when you look at the Ireland setup, the removal of Murray uh, and the confusion, perhaps, as to where exactly Carby will sit with Munster, although the people claim there is no confusion, does open the way uh, on the Ireland squad for, uh, if you like, a reinforcement 10 at 9. And this is the John Cooney Ulster thing. Yep, yeah. I mean, when he got, uh, when John Cooney was brought in last November to the Carton House session uh, that goes on before the November internationals, uh, because Johnny, I think, was still recovering and Joey, um, Joey Carberry had just recently gotten injured, there were certain reps where uh, John Cooney would stand in at 10. Because you'd have Ian Keatley running a lot of reps at 10. You need to rest Johnny in training. Yep. So then, without a third option for uh, for John, for without a, a third option, as, uh, Joey Carby there, because he had, I think it was a broken arm, wasn't it, then? Um, oh, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so um, because of that. The way he tries to dance through those forwards, though, I mean, he'll be lucky if that's the worst injury he ever gets. Yeah. But anyway, if you yeah. say that now, he's left Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So we've managed to do it, not very well, not very clear, but we've managed to get Robbie on the phone. So I'll hand over to you now. now. Uh, thanks very much for taking the call. So, um, could you tell us about the four teams, the four uh, Welsh teams in the Pro 14? Where do you think they sit now and what do you think their chances are? Um, well, at the moment, the Ospreys are sitting top of the table, so I'm happy. Oh, well, um, <laughs> well, I'll continue. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's confusing, but it makes me happy at the same time, I take it, it's a David Lynch film, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I, yeah, um, I throw myself off a second, what well, was I doing? Well, uh, yes, um, sorry, yeah. Um, yeah, just stop the Ospreys just in a moment of shit, yes, um, I think it's interesting because they have started the season reasonably well without looking particularly great. Um, right. Haven't looked like a few seasons ago, uh, two years ago, they started the season with a run of wins. Um, 
and they looked good and they looked far more dynamic than they have now. Uh, whereas these last two games, they've beaten the teams in front of them, which is you know all you can do and all you can be expected to do uh, mm. without looking like I think some of the forward carrying looks very static um, and they haven't quite worked out. I mean, they brought in a new attack coach with Matt Sherritt um, and they try. Uh, it was George North made. I've forgotten who scored in the end now. Um, Da, da, da. Oh, Scott Austin, sorry. Um, the, yeah, the try Scott Austin scored um, at the weekend was very clearly the sort of structure Matt Sherritt ran when he was with the Cardiff Blues uh, and when he was briefly in charge of Wales while um, Howley was with the Lions and so on. Um, it was very reminiscent of that. So there's signs they're beginning to put that together, um, but it's still slipping apart a bit. Uh, and my other concern with it is the way that in order to sign, you know, George North, Scott Williams, Alan Davis, who are you know, very good signings they've made, they've let go Jeff Hassler, uh, David Howells, um, Ben John, Ashley Beck. They've let go a number of players who would have been around during the international period. You yeah, know, that's one player who's there, yeah. well, who's gone for most of the season with Wales. Yeah, because those three names you give will be uh, will be gone. Yeah. Uh, and this was the other four names you gave would have been there during the uh, Six Nations and the uh, Autumn Internationals. Um, that, so I suppose Ospreys, is it fair to say, sorry I'm not being an Ospreys expert, is it fair to say they didn't suffer as much during the Six Nations and Autumn Crashes as they will now? Yeah, I think last season it was weirdly the period where they picked up a bit was in that that period because suddenly, you know, we were only, they were only really losing Dan Bigger who hadn't played that much, he'd had an injury and sort of been Wales and Alan Wynne-Jones um, and a couple of other, you know, but they were losing a few key players, but the core of the squad was still there. Whereas now, as you said, they've brought in a lot of key players. And also you've had the likes of Aaron Watkin and now going to be with Wales, having had a good season last year. Um, so, yeah, they could probably... It's not going to look good. Whereas you, you compare that too, to beautifully segue on, uh, the Scarlets, where actually what mm-hmm. Pivac's done the last two seasons is sign players where it's focused on those who will be there during the international period. So the only one they've signed really of the last two years that is going to be missing at all is um, Lee Halfpenny, and even then they sort of got him as a freebie from the WRU. Surely, yeah. surely Jonathan Davies won't be. No, oh, yeah. Yeah. no, he was in. Jonathan Davies was in France, wasn't he? Yeah, he went. I can't remember when he came back. Now was that? I thought the season before. Before. Sorry. Yeah, oh, anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, he's still. They the majority of players, I suppose, they've signed. Um, you know, it's either it's players like Tom Pridey who are you know, perfectly solid Welsh players who stick there, or the likes of Cassim. Um, Blomin Hayes, etc., um, Fonatier, who were good players that proved themselves at this level, um, but are going to be around then, that aren't going to be called up by the country. And, you know, are f- even like, it's possible Tom Pride could find himself in the Wales squad. It's unlikely that, oh, I suppose, Fonatier is with Samoa now. Um, it's unlikely a lot of those players will be, especially during the Six Nations. And, yeah, and it's, yeah. And on the flip side, uh, in that conference, Leinster were losing an awful lot of players during that period. Um, and I suppose on that, did, do you think that the game against Leinster, I mean, Scarlets are mm. accepted by a lot of the press, I'm sure people in Munster and Glasgow would disagree, but accepted by a lot of the press to be the second best team in the league. Um, do you think that the game against Leinster proved that they're closer to Munster and Glasgow, or are they closer to Leinster in terms of their standard? I'm not sure how close anyone is to Leinster, um, especially when they've got the full team out, when they've got the, particularly Sexton, in yeah. their side. Well, I, think, their... I think that's an interesting thing, watching the game last uh, last Saturday. I think if you look at the squad that they put out, 
that is probably going to be the side that Leinster will put out on <laughs> mid-season Pro 14 game. I mean, like, yeah. realistically, like, we had, you had Ty Furlong, you had Keen Healy, um, like, yeah, you had a lot of your lines out there, so I think it was yeah. an interesting one that it was actually going to be the case that that probably was our full-strength squad, mm. by and large. Obviously, Johnny Sex was like a huge difference, but yeah. Yeah, it was maybe sort of, that's, what, 85% or something, full-strength. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The starts were probably, you know, only really missing Jonathan Davis, uh, off the top of my head. Um, maybe one or two others, but still. Or Patchell. Um, but yeah, I think Leinster can afford to do that, though, because they've got the most strength and depth of any team in the league, if not in Europe, if not in the world, um, <laughs> just because they're a ridiculous academy. Um, do you think that players like... Uh, sorry, go on. sorry, I do want to interrupt there, because, I mean, before we go talking about how great Leinster is... Um, <laughs> We've still got we've still got two other Welsh teams to okay. uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just so uh Well Cardiff have been very unfortunate. Yeah, well the Cardiff mm. yeah, it's supposed to seem like a very unfortunate start to the season for Cardiff. What what do you think is going on there? Or is it just two bad games at the start of the season and they should qualify for Europe yet? I, I think you know, chance they will. Uh, I think the thing you've seen in both those games, though, is that they're able and they are a good enough team to win those games. You know, they're, they're ahead. They were, however far they were ahead, they were against Leinster, and you know, they were ahead against Treviso or Benetton, uh, which is a tough place to go and win. Um, and yet they lost it late on. I think their problems are at the moment mental. It's just managing the game. Um, they haven't yet got that right. Um, they sort of remind me a bit of Wales, maybe sort of five or six years ago, um, who would consistently get into positions in which they could win games against you know, yeah, South Africa's Australia's Australia in particular, really, um, but also Ireland and England, and then would blow it late on in the last ten minutes. Uh, and they seem to be in that stage. Um, I don't know how long it's going to take them to get through it, um, but you feel like it's probably going to take one or two big wins for them to actually hold out in order for them to turn that corner. Um, and you'd have thought, in some ways, I suppose, winning the Challenge Cup last season would have been that, but then bringing a new coach kind of disrupts that and kind of does change the mindset. Um, but yeah, I think they're a good enough team and they've shown that, but their problems are currently mental. They can learn to manage a game and people like Jared Evans is a young 10. If he can learn to do that, uh, then they should be good enough to challenge for playoff spots. Well, yeah, and I suppose also, I mean, not to hark on about Leinster, but <laughs> when you know your first game is going to be home against Leinster uh, yeah. and the Challenge Club champions, I mean, you really have something to focus on then. Yeah. Uh, it becomes a massive deal and just so it should. Uh, and then for, I suppose, the wheels to come off the wagon the way it did against perhaps a weaker side, that's going to damage the confidence too, even though uh, better mm. teams, the same thing would have happened to better teams against Leinster. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think also because they put most of their full strength team in, it was only really Anscombe they left on, they left out, um, they didn't have that ability to, sometimes, you know, if Leinster lost that game, they could bounce back by going, okay, we're just going to next week, we're going to get over it, we're going to bring in, you know, a whole new team, we're going to bring in Furlong and Sexton and whoever, um, and they're going to bounce back from this, and it'll be fine, we set things in motion. Whereas the Blues couldn't do that, they sort of, they were left with, oh, this is our best team, and, you know, we're minus one or two players, we can't turn things around as easily, they can't change the mindset, they're going to, well, it would take results and have to work far harder to do so. I think even just on the, the Blues uh, Leinster <laughs> game, I know we're not trying to focus too much on that, but I think what's interesting uh, is I know yourself and I now we're um, we're wondering is this actually bad for rugby that Leinster can put out 
a very much a B-side squad and still come away with the win. But as, as you're saying, the game mm. itself, that game of rugby was f- fantastic. It yeah. was it's so enjoyable to watch. So overall, and I think for the credibility of the league, people could point to this and say, look, Leinster did this, not even trying, so can still win. But I think it it's an approach that because of the way the Pro 14 is set up and it does look after its players, I think it is an interesting fact that it can still produce very entertaining rugby. And at the end of the day, it doesn't. you don't have to be putting Johnny Sexton out there every week to have entertaining yeah. rugby, have high-quality rugby. So I think that's something in terms of people generally point to, oh, they're not playing their full-strength teams, but it is actually for the benefit of the league, realistically. Yeah. But that yeah, was- <laughs> <laughs> and also, they can afford to. They can put out pretty much a second team and yeah. still win. Uh, if everyone was doing that, then it would be a problem. But that was, you know, Cardiff were in Europe this season, um, and they're, you know, the, the, well, last season you say Challenge Cup champions, um, and they're, like, maybe, as I say, 80, 90% strength team couldn't beat Leinster with their B team out. Um, it's a problem if everyone's putting the second teams out. If it's one team that's so good that they can afford to do that, that's not a problem. You know, the problem is people need to learn to beat them and people need to catch up to their level, I suppose. It's a bit like the All Blacks, you know, they're putting out, you know, like 12 out of their 15 second choice players against Argentina at the weekend. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and yes, Argentina, you know, it was, again, very good game as a result. So maybe, yeah, equally benevolent. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I suppose Newport Grand Dragons, I mean, mm. we, uh, now that would be the team, I suppose, least in focus for non Welsh people. Yeah. But, we are told. I mean, Bernard Jackman. Obviously, we'd be aware of the. We'd be aware of him. Um, but and I know there were rumours that when George North was coming back, that he might go to Newport to give them, I suppose, a boost in profile, and that yeah. didn't emerge. Um, I mean, I'm, and I suppose that's just part of uh, some media we get, perhaps produced by the Pro 14, that Newport's day is going to come. That mm. uh, they're seeing young players, uh, and someday, uh, someday they're going to have a string of results and Newport could well be the next comment. But I suppose we wait to see if that is going to happen. What are, what's your opinion? Yeah. Um, you might be waiting a while. Um, Even Bernie Jackman's comments haven't been exactly glowing about right. the team. He's like, we know we're not going to win. We know. That's true. I've <laughs> yeah. seen those interviews, yeah. yeah. And, and a lot of seasons we spent basically saying, well, you know, the team aren't good enough. I'm going to have to build it. I'm going to need to resign, sign all these new players. And he's done that. And now they're still, I mean, they lost the first game. Yes, they won. They narrowly beat the Kings at the weekend. But really, if you want to kick on in the way they've been saying they want to, and in the way, you know, they've had partly been bought by the WU and having like a couple of new investors come in. Um, so like Ross Moriarty is now the highest paid player at any of the regions um, because they had someone come in, you know, and offer him a bunch of money to go to the Dragons in particular. Um yeah. So, yeah, if they're having that level of investment, they should be doing better than narrowly beating the Kings. Um, but, yeah, I I think they have got quite a good team now. Um, and I think Jackman is a perfectly good coach, but I'm not seeing many signs of it yet. And it may be, you know, they click later on. And he has brought in other people in terms of, you know, different um, defence coach came in midway through last season and so on. And, you know... There's been no signs they've got an attack, the defence coach rather, um, so far. But still, um, it may be they're still, you know, getting systems in place and so on, and players are still settling because we are only two games of the season, and then that was Moriarty's first game at the weekend. Um, so yeah, they're 
they've got enough good players to begin to challenge and to perhaps cause one or two upsets, but I can't see I can't see them connecting. Um at least okay. not not yet. At least I feel like they're a few years off at least. And um would this is now as an outsider, uh, mm. as a West fan, would you if you saw a player doing well in Newport, a young a young guy, would you assume <laughs> he's probably earmarked for Scarlets? <laughs> uh, I think that used to be the case. They used to all get snapped up by the Ospreys and the Blues um, back a few years ago. Uh, I think he's a bit more level now, partly just because the Dragons have suddenly got money in the last couple of years. Um, but, I mean, you had, I suppose, Halame Moss chose to stay there um, as sort of the brightest spark they've got at the moment. Uh, and likewise, Ollie Griffiths, uh, who's a very good young flanker, um, signed a new contract there. So they are keeping hold of a few players. Um, equally though you wouldn't blame anyone if they wanted to jump ship a bit if they perhaps if things don't go well this season if this isn't you know the turnaround everyone around Newport's hoping for uh, what would a success then, for Newport do you think well Europe would probably be a success if they managed that yeah success for you. Mm, if they could just win a few games that'd be quite <laughs> nice I'm just saying you stand too high maybe <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've had we've had a lot of your time now. Sorry, but, oh, sorry. No, uh, of course. No, I said I've got nothing else going on. So, <laughs> well, neither do we. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, apologies for that connection, um, and apologies for the brevity of the interview. We'll be talking to Robbie again, and we're going to have a better connection next time. Promise. Okay. Thanks. John Barkley comes up to receive the trophy. This for the Scarlet's fans is simply great to watch. They were outplayed in the first half by a Cheetah side that picked and win. The 1872 Cup back in Edinburgh hands. They've beaten Glasgow. The first team in 17 attempts to come to Dublin and get a win. How good is that for you? Oh, it's great. All I'm getting at the moment are players shouting, knock on, offside, tackle out the ball. We're in the wrong sport for that. The Zeebo special gets it wide to Earls. And Earls from here means only one thing. The best stadium I've ever played in, the best atmosphere, the, the best supporters. Hopefully one day I'll be back. I should of course apologise to any Munster fans listening. Uh, they'll have something to say about whether Leinster are going to be in the final as the Scarlets come again. Oh, brilliant offload. It's Brady with a stroll in under the sticks. Oh, look, it's, it's been a roller coaster um, here all my life. 47-10. Jesus. I thought I was in dreamland when we won the Pro 12. Phenomenal. Phenomenal.